quick point um, of personal privilege. Yes. Be honest, I, I don't know most of these guys. This is Armstrong and Getty. Pretty damn cool. Very fine people on both sides. It is what it is. But hey, we've made it possible. With ridiculous bull****. Hey, man. So then I was like, yay! All right, go, go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I thought this was interesting. I was unfamiliar with the League of United Latin American Citizens. Ah, LULAC. LULAC. Right up there with La Raza, but the they're, race. They're one of the major Hispanic groups in the country, and they had their big get-together. And four Democratic presidential contenders showed up. I think it was uh, Beto, Elizabeth Warren, Sanders. It doesn't matter. Four of the biggies. Um, and the majority of the questions that were asked had nothing to do with any of the stuff that's getting discussed all the time on the stages by these candidates. Wow. Um, huh. uh, free health care for illegals or various border stuff and everything like that. It was the typical stuff that most of us talk about. Student loan debt, housing prices, health care insurance, no. all that sort no, of stuff. No, no, no. Ethnic groups, racial groups, they've got to be carefully segregated and just talk about their issues because they're not normal human beings. There's nothing more insulting and condescending than identity politics. I despise it. Well, again, yeah. again the headline in the Washington Post, Democrats learn the hard way. And it was just the idea that they, they, you know, they got all their rhetoric about these various hot button issues that mostly white people and activists make up on cable news. Right. But the uh, the actual Latino community wasn't into those issues and were asking other questions. I'll read more from the Washington Post. More unexpected was an undercurrent of unease here that the Democratic Party, in its revulsion over Trump's harsh policies and obnoxious rhetoric, is positioning itself too far to the left on immigration. Uh, blah, 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 goes through the number of Hispanics in the country, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. how many vote, blah. Despite expectations that Latinos will be a crucial constituency... The LULAC president, Domingo Garcia, told me that he thinks Democratic candidates made a mistake at the recent presidential debate. All 10 candidates who were on stage raised their hands to show they would support providing government health care coverage, that's taxpayer health care coverage, right. to people who were here here illegally. Again, the president of LULAC was bothered that. He said that given the fact that so many U.S. citizens, a disproportionate number of them Hispanics, still lack coverage, that was not a good general election position to begin with, and it does not win the many votes in the Latino community. Mm. How hilarious and interesting is that? The president of LULAC says, we didn't like that much. We got a lot of people that are here legally that don't have health care. The whole giving health care to illegals is not really what we're into. Wow. You stupid, pandering... Virtue signaling a-holes. Ooh, that's strong. On stage with your completely fanciful unicorn. Even the Hispanics say, what are you doing? You can't possibly afford that. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. God. I know. I know. It's astounding. And how does people take? How do people take any of this seriously? And, and I said the day after the debate, and I still think it. The headline was not Harris-Biden. Which, by the way, those polls have settled way down since the day after. Anyway, that was not the headline. The headline was all the candidates saying free health care for illegals. And, oh, by the way, crossing the border is not illegal. That was the headline. Are you kidding me? And the guy who's the president of LULAC said, no, that is not a good issue for us. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So revealing. 
Yeah. I, I'm just worried they're going to catch on. I hope they don't catch on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want Quiet. them to catch on. As Chris Christie said yesterday on ABC This Week, he said, please, have AOC on this show every week. I would love it. As a Republican, I'm begging you. Have AOC on every week. We want her to define the party. And again, yeah. I want these candidates to continue to think, to please Hispanic voters, we need to say health care for illegals. No! No normal person thinks that makes any sense whatsoever. Right. And you're afraid. All ten of them were afraid. And then Joe Biden with his slow hand. I guess we're supposed to say we're for I'm this. I'm afraid to not go with the crowd. Unbelievable. None of them had the guts to say, well, we can't give free health care to illegals. Right. We've got enough citizens of this country that don't get the health care they deserve. Lawful immigrants. Whatever you want right. to say. But yeah. uh, amazing. No, not a one. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, just uh, to be the adult in the room, the White House goes back and forth, Congress goes back and forth, the Senate goes back and forth. As an American, it would gratify me if the Democratic Party would figure out that these views are incredibly unpopular. There are a couple of hotbeds of this sort of thinking, a couple of population centers on the West Coast, and like Harvard, and other than that, nobody thinks that nobody thinks these things are a good idea. Gavin Newsom thinks they are, the governor of Cal Unicornia. Yeah, I'm but. just concerned that with a year and a half to go, that's a long time. Most people aren't paying attention. This this craziness is going to disappear. The smart people the, with all the money are going to tell the big candidates, look, these positions are not going to get us elected president. Yeah, you probably. want my donations? This is crazy. Yeah, cut it out. So that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Yeah, wackadoo. Uh, Florida is selling driver's license, driver's personal information to private firms. Oh, so they're taking the information you get through the government from your driver's license and everything like that and selling it to people like it's Google. A little and revenue Google. opportunity. There you go. It's the first state to do that. Other states will probably follow. Oh, That Florida. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When I was going to mention what uh, comfort vehicles are, I won't mention where we were. I was at a variety of um, uh, big population places where you take families. I uh, went to Legoland, I was in Vegas, and we rode roller coasters and did all kinds of different stuff. But anyway, one of these places had something called the uh, convenience vehicles. And I realize uh, we're a fat country, mm. and, uh, and I'm, I'm included in I that. I did my and, part. And, and, yeah, and, and a lot of us are. Yes. But at some point, we probably ought to take a look at ourselves when we now Oof. have convenience vehicles at some of our uh, public gatherings. And it says, for people who are uncomfortable walking around. Oh, boy. And, of course, who was riding these things? No longer ambulatory. Really, really giant fat people. Wow. Who decided, you know, I can't walk or whatever. Or a lot of people that are injured and are super overweight. And then, you you know, this is part of the whole overweight deal where we we all recognize this is a country. Yeah. You get heavy. Your knees can't handle it. Now you're injured. You can't exercise if you want. You get even fatter. I mean, the people get into that cycle. It happens all the time. I know. Right. I know p- p- people personally. Yeah. And uh, so, what are we going to do with that as a society? But scooters. Thirty years ago, we didn't have convenience vehicles for people who are uncomfortable walking around the park. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting Wh- for a beast. Change. Yeah. For the beast. Again, if it was antelopes or crocodiles, science scientists would be going crazy. Trying to figure it out. There would be national symposium. Symposia. Uh, it just, yeah. Wow. Comfort vehicles, they call them? Yeah. Or convenience vehicles? Yeah, comfort vehicles. Comfort yeah. vehicles, okay. I, uh, of course, I mocked that idea. those not comfortable walking? I mocked that idea in my mind, and then that night went to an all-you-can-eat buffet and ate enough for seven people. Wow. Of stuff, a lot of stuff that you should never eat as a grown-up. I mean, just there's no reason you should ever have this in your mouth as a grown-up. 
then got up and used your legs like a sucker again. <laughs> While I still can. Right. Until I no longer can. Which... What's, what's the ethics of that? Maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe I'm at whatever, Disney or, or whatever. We'll say a, a Legoland. Maybe I'm just lazy and I grab one of those. And some big old fat guy comes along and there are none left. Do I have to give mine up to him because he's fatter? I'm kind of sore. It is a, a first. Stiff. It was a first come, first serve sort of thing because they have yeah. a limited number of them. Wow, yeah. I don't know what you do. I'm lazy. I'm taking one. <laughs> God, <laughs> would she you, will get mad at you. I don't know. I don't know what the personal ethics of there are either. I would. I would fight that until I just absolutely look. I I cannot walk, or I yeah. wouldn't go. Right. I don't know at what point I would go to something, a state fair or a Disneyland or whatever, and ride around in that thing because you know it's just. I get really winded. I'm fat now. Wow. Where this goes, I don't... Something's got to happen. You would think. Can a species just keep getting fatter and, on average? And keep pretending that's not the cause. I mean, there was nothing, you know... that was it, Everybody riding them was crazy overweight. Right. Right. There was nothing anywhere about overweight in the signage. It was just comfort and convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Well... You wouldn't... If you'd have told people this 30, 40 years ago, they'd said, what are you talking about? Did they at least have a drive-through lane there at the concession stand? So I don't have to get out of my scooter to get more food? Of course, I was sitting there eating churros oh. in the hot sun. Showing your uh, unity with Hispanic people. Amusement park churros as I watch, immigrant. watch other people who are just a couple of steps ahead of me. Right. Right around in cards because they can't walk. Oh, you judge and then chomp down <laughs> yeah, on another right. bite you of dough and sugar. <laughs> Mouthful of churro as you criticize. Look at that fat guy over there. <laughs> Oh, it's really good if you dip it in a frosting. Oh, oh, oh. Proud of yourself, Jumbo. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So maybe I was extra sensitive to uh, this information. Because one of the things uh, we had ready to talk about maybe today, we always have more to talk about than we possibly can fit in, but this piece in the Wall Street Journal... <clears throat> Families go deep in debt to stay in the middle class. Wages have stalled, but costs haven't. Well, specifically cars, college, houses, medical care have become steadily more costly. But incomes have been largely stagnant for two decades, during, despite a recent uptick. Filling the gap between earning and spending. Well, obviously, you know, one possibility is is you just make different choices and spend less, but... Uh, I guess people aren't. Filling the gap between earning and spending is an explosion of finance, as in borrowing, into nearly every corner of the consumer economy. Consumer debt, not counting mortgages, has climbed $4 trillion, higher than it's ever been, after adjusting for inflation. Mortgage... After... Okay, uh, yeah, I dismiss all those with a, a little bit of, okay, um, trillion dollars is not the same now as it was before, but... Okay, adjusted for inflation. All these numbers are adjusted for inflation. Mortgage debt slid after the financial crisis, but it's rebounding rapidly. Student debt, we've heard about that. Um, And uh, auto debt is up nearly 40% adjusting for inflation in the last decade, Um, which is amazing. Unsecured personal loans are back in vogue, the result of competition between, well, anyway. Um, so, auto debt. Well, the, the, you know, I wonder if any of that has to do with the invention of taking equity out of your used vehicle. Oh man! Oh my yeah. God! Please, do. I, it's one thing I want my kids to never do. Well, all sorts of debt. S- two things: mm-hmm. you know, smoke meth, crack, or take the equity out of their used car. Yeah. So, Jesus. So, uh, anyway, 
I already kind of had that in my mind. The whole, the desperation to keep up with the Joneses and you feel like you have to live a certain lifestyle, otherwise you're not having a happy life. Then I come across this uh, tweet by a, uh, he's a writer, he's a thinker, he's a scholar, and he's a rapper. His name is Zuby. He's a Brit, I think. But um, his tweet is this. Why are depression and anxiety on the rise? Because modern society is designed to make you anxious and depressed. Garbage food, sedentary lifestyle, cubicle work, social media, toxic politics, hookup culture, loss of religion, decline of family, drugs, consumerism. Anybody want to debate any of that? Maybe the toxic politics because it's, it's you know, always been ugly and it gets a little better and it gets a little worse. But all that other but stuff. it's there. All that other stuff. Some of that stuff is completely new in the last 10, 15 years. Right. And some of that stuff, consumerism, is pretty new in the last century. Right. Uh, th- this stuff didn't exist before, and it's rampant now. Right. I don't think it needs to be new to be relevant. I see what you're saying. Um, but the toxic politics and everybody hating each other for their politics is pretty new. Uh, yeah. Or, or at least it's it cycled back up again. I mean, all right, in 1861, people were pretty riled about politics. But the fact that you can't like your neighbor if they swing the other way from you, that's, I mean, you talk about anxiety and depression. So, you know, anyway, I think that's some great wisdom. And, and we retweeted it. Uh, follow us on the Twitter if you want to get it and print it out and, and, you know, do whatever you want. So I was thinking about this, and I just all these things coming together. Human beings are unique in the animal world in that we can almost completely design our personal environment. You know, you, you got your, your anteaters. They make their little nests or whatever. No, I guess they eat the nests of the ants. But you know what I mean. You got various animals. They, they make themselves a burrow or a, or a nest or what have you. But we can design our environment in a way no other animal uh, can possibly do. I mean, we can figure out where we want to live uh you know what you know what neighborhood what sort of dwelling what sort of clothing we're wearing just everything is to at least to a large extent under our control unless well oh, okay so here's the here's the principle i think all of us to some extent including me and i fight this and i'm not quite sure how all the time we think we have to make our environment what everybody around us is making their environment and what advertising is telling us we must have and we must do and the way we must act. And I think to whatever extent you can tear yourself away from, I've got to act this way and be this way and buy this way because that's the way people are doing it these days. Because a lot of that stuff is just brought on by people who make money off of you encouraging you to do that, which is one reason we don't endorse crap ever. Um, you know, early in our careers, maybe we were strong armed into saying, yeah, you should buy this when, you know, maybe it wasn't so great. And we regret that and we'll never, ever do it again. Break free of modern society as you design your life, because a, a lot of it is toxic. You know, it's just it's a little pep talk. If you're not happy in your life, change your life. My son actually got a tattoo to that effect the other day. His mom isn't a big fan of it. But his mom is a pretty conservative, uh, Midwestern, old-school person. What's the tattoo say? Uh, it's not for me to say. But the the point Cash of it... Cash Grasser. Is it that one? No. No. Nobody <laughs> rides for free. It's a face tattoo, right? No, it's not. It's But it's interesting. And the point of it is, if it's not good, change it. 
It's just a little pep talk to you, my friends. You design your environment. And and we, man, we have listeners who live all sorts of different ways, and I think that's really, really cool. Artists who live in the desert and, and folks who write in, they say, you know, and, and in expensive blue states, my wife makes X, I make X, and it ain't much. And we live fine, and we're happy. It takes a lot of... Uh, uh it takes a lot of, um, I don't know if courage is the right word or strength or whatever, to uh, to to drive a crappier car than you can afford when your your social circle drives this. We're living in a smaller house or do vacations or eating or whatever or clothes. Right. It's yeah. it's it's not an easy thing to do. But and not, it's not a it's not just a weakness because we're designed to try to fit in. That's the way we're our, our sure. whole DNA is screaming out to do what everybody else is doing because right. the, the 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 tribe is surviving and this is what the tribe's doing. So your DNA is saying right. do the same things as this because apparently this is what you need to do to survive. And you don't want to be an outlier because you want sure. tribal protection. Yeah, so but- it's a natural instinct. But I think we've become so good. It reminds me of my various screeds about the people who would game democracy have gotten so good at it. It's really hard for democracies to be ungamed. Well, the people who will get you to make unhealthy choices because the rest of the tribe is doing it um, have gotten so good at convincing us all that we ought to do it. We should do it. We have to do it. Everybody's doing it. That We're making ourselves crazy. So, you know, again, I'm just, this is musings. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm trying to have a happy life myself. I hope that's helpful to you on some level. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, quick point of privilege. Quick point um, of personal privilege. Yes. be honest, I don't know most of these guys. Here's Armstrong and Getty. Pretty damn both sides. Because I'm the kind of you want to know why. It is what it is. We've made it possible. With ridiculous bull****. Hey. Hey, man. Right? I'm sure there's lots of ways that we can communicate. So then I was like, yay! Take a deep breath. Oh! All right, go. Go. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I Did I talk about how I volunteered the last day of school? Which seems like it was a week ago. Um, for last year, and they 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 had these various projects for kids, and I was the parent overseeing little kids driving nails into tin cans with a hammer, and a whole bunch of third graders with hammers and nails and swinging hammers and sharp things. I mean, like it was just driving me crazy. And then people were swinging it, trying to swing at each other, and hitting rocks and hitting the building, and it just and it was just trying to keep the the cats herded. I mean. It, yeah. My blood pressure was like 900 over 600. Right. <laughs> and I said to the teacher, how do you do this all day, every day? And it just takes a different sort of person. I'm but thrilled anyway, to hear kids were had hammers and nails. I was pretty shocked by it. But yeah. anyway, uh, but I, I'm very bothered by the, uh, the the curriculum that is forced down a lot of schools' throats, um, whether the teachers agree with it or not. I mean, I don't blame teachers or anything like that for that, but... Um, there was a, a moment last year where my son brought up somebody they were studying in school for history. I'd never heard of this person in my life, and I'm a history nut. I mean, mm. I, I've been reading books, watching children, just taking classes for my whole life. I've been into this, and I didn't know who this person was. And 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 it, it was a major topic of conversation in his class, and he doesn't know who Thomas Jefferson is. Oh, boy. And I just I found that striking. Yeah. Activist history. Here's one of the latest things that they're proposing for California schools. 
ethnic ethnic studies, and there's here a description on the website of what this will include. Ethnic studies is ex-disciplinary. Okay, we're, uh, we're four uh, words uh, in. Point of order. We're four words in and already at a word that I don't know what it means. In that it variously takes the forms of being interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, unidisciplinary, and intradisciplinary. Okay, that's just a whole bunch of words. Um, How I think- do you climb up your own butt? I mean, I don't even understand the mechanics of it. And there are people, I mean, who wrote that, who are I just way up there. As such, it can grow its original language. We're growing language now, people. Oh, hello, calling Dr. Orwell, calling Dr. Orwell. To serve these needs with purposeful respellings of terms. Now we're, we're, we're creating language and respelling ah, things. Like they did in the French Revolution, among others. Including history as herstory. And women as Wimixen, W-O-M-X-N. Yes. Finally. Connecting with a gender. Women liberated from that damned E. Am I right, ladies? Who's with me? So they're going to respell history as herstory and women as Wimixen? Connecting with a gender and sexuality lens, along with a socioeconomic class lens at three of its intersections. Terms utilized throughout this document, which may be unfamiliar to new practitioners of the field and every other homo sapien on Earth. And and, (laughs) by the grace of God, will vanish into the dustbin of history soon, I hope. Are defined in the glossary, which is another thing that you have to click on. Yes. I mean, I just read, that's one of the very first paragraphs describing what this new ethnic studies thing is going to be in the public schools. And I don't even understand a tenth of what they're talking about. And listen. They would respond, well, you're ignorant of the terms you need to know and the principles that we've been teaching your poor undergrads, and you need to learn yourself up on this. Your ignorance is not our problem. They're going to focus on the achievement gap between students of different racial backgrounds. This debt refers to what students of color in the United States are owed after centuries of educational trauma, dehumanization, and enforced sociopolitical, cultural, historical, economic, and moral constraints via the education system. You know what they need to teach those people is how to write a short declarative sentence. <laughs> I mean, my God, you, you need to, like, pack a lunch midway through each of those sentences. And, and here's the key sentence after that one. Oh, boy, brace yourselves. Which, you know, some of that stuff you get into o- o- older grades, fine, you know, we can talk about that and discuss oh, yeah. that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I sure don't want to see any of that in, like, second and third grade. I really don't. Oh, you've got you to start the indoctrination can, young, can, Jack. can you just work on reading and math? No, no way. That's not nearly as important as the right political attitudes. But here's the key. Ethnic studies intentionally works toward helping pay this education debt. Ooh, we're paying debts now. We're going to right the wrongs of the past somehow and straighten that out. Your children are, yes. Hmm. So, listen, I have a little more of the uh, Ethnic the studies of the- has created a space for all students to learn about and analyze their identities and herksteries? H-X-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Somebody's going to tell me how to pronounce that so I can mock it. And I'll be mocking it. Read this piece uh, in the uh, Wall Street Journal by Williamson Evers. Why does everybody have a cooler name than me? Williamson. Wow. Um, California's uh, Education Department has issued an ethnic studies model curriculum and is soliciting public comments. The uh, This mandated guide, the legislature of Cal Unicornia passed this garbage. It's mandated now. Uh, 
Um, written by an advisory board of teachers, academics, and bureaucrats. It's as bad as you imagine, writes old uh, Mr. Evans. Ethnic studies, as described in the document, is the interdisciplinary study of race, ethnicity, and indigeneity. That would be your indigenous people, I guess. With an emphasis on experiences of people of color in the United States. But that's not all it is. It is the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, coloniality, hegemony, hegemony, and a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. It is the ex-disciplinary, loving, and critical praxis of holistic humanity. Instead of how to spell. You know, you know, tell me that I'm not overreacting or I am overreacting by boiling it down to this. The uh, the emphasis is going to be white people are bad and caused all the problems for everybody that's not white. Yes. And America caused all the problems for the rest of the world. Oh, there's way- that's the point of this. That's the first class. Don't never, ever trust whitey. Well, that's good advice. But um, so that's that's where it begins. Listen to this, though. And, and, and first, some just some mockable and then the serious stuff. The document is filled with fashionable academic jargon like positionalities, hybridities, and neplantas. And neplantas? M- mis- isn't that like a, it's like a banana, but not as sweet? Um, and misogynoir. It includes faddish social science lingo like cis-heteropatriarchy that may make sense to radical university professors and activists, but doesn't mean much to the regular folks who send their children to California's public schools. It's difficult to comprehend the depth and breadth of the ideological bias and misrepresentations without reading the whole curriculum, something few will want to do. Let's begin with economics. Capitalism, or as I prefer, the free market. Is described as capitalism is a word invented by Karl Marx as a slur. Right, it has become accepted, and people don't always mean it as a slur when they say it. Now. Right? Oh well, no, I, it still bothers me a little bit. But in but the same market, way, gay people have taken back queer. Um, I guess maybe we're taking back capitalism. But free market is a better term. Absolutely, capitalism is described as a form of power and oppression, alongside patriarchy, racism, white supremacy, and ableism. Capitalism and capitalists appear as villains several times in the documents. And indeed, it's heavily implied that capitalism is in itself racist. On politics, the model curriculum is similarly left-wing. One proposed course promises to explore the African-American experience, quote, from the pre-colonial ancestral roots in Africa to the transatlantic slave trade and enslaved people's uprisings in the antebellum South to the elements of hip-hop and African cultural retentions. Um, and then they list a bunch of people to s- discover, including, you know, uh, terrorists and revolutionaries and cop killers and the rest of it. Um, although, you know, I, I'm fine with studying villains as long as they're portrayed as villains. Um, did you oh. get around to studying the founding fathers, though? Have you done that yet? See, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, l- listen to this. Oh my God. This is how far it goes. This may be the single most troubling. Uh, development in wackadoo academia, wackademia, if you will. Their description of critical thinking. You may have heard us talking about how in modern college debates now, the idea of building a logical case is being rejected in favor of, this is my truth! And if you're adamant about it and feel it emotionally, you win the debate, which is absurd and terrifying. 
Listen to this. The curriculum is entirely wrongheaded when it comes to critical thinking. Critical thinking is described not as reasoning through logic and consideration of evidence, but rather a vague deconstruction of power relationships so that one can, quote, speak out on social issues. Thinking critically, quote, requires individuals to evaluate phenomenon through the lens of systems, the rules within those systems, who wields power within systems, and the impact of that power on the relationships between people existing within symptoms. In other words, you can reject that which is plainly true if you don't like the people who came up with it. It is entirely race-based logic. We used to do that sort of thing in America. If a black man says it, it doesn't matter. If a black woman feels it, it doesn't matter. Y'all want to keep that going. You just want the power to do it yourselves. It's disgusting, and you need to reject it immediately and strenuously. Don't let this crap be taught in your schools. So we got to, uh, we should link this at our website, Hanson, just because you might think we're making this up or this is an exaggeration. This is on the California government website. Governor Brown, it says right here on the website, Governor Brown, he, the, the last governor of California, uh, required the State Board of Education to adopt an ethnic studies model curriculum. And this is a this is a layout of what uh, what they're discussing, and you, it's you read all this stuff we were just talking about these crazy terms, herkstry. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal is really protective of their content. They got the big paywall and everything. I'd love to be able to distribute this, but I want to make sure we do it in a way that won't get us sued, because uh, this piece is excellent and it's a nice little thing to keep handy with you as 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 this comes to the fore in your public schools. And and again, you know, for those who don't live in Cal Unicornia. It is coming your way, guaranteed. They are teaching this stuff at Ohio State. They're teaching it at Rice and Rutgers. They're teaching it at Central Florida and my uh, alma mater, the University of Illinois. I guarantee you they're indoctrinating people 24-7, and you got to be aware of this stuff. This course is crap. It's crap. It's crap. This course is designed to help students develop an intersectional and global understanding of the impact of race and racism. They'll learn about the interlocking systems of oppression and privilege that impact all people of color. Even as there's an enormous problem with just having kids at grade level in math and reading. And the STEM stuff. But listen, Chairman Mao knew it. Pol Pot knew it. Hitler knew it. Stalin knew it. The read and write and stuff is of no importance compared to the political indoctrination. If you want to change the world to your vision, you got to get the kids believing the right stuff. Some examples of systems of power we will study are white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. Right. Right. Huh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Boy, are they selling <laughs> crap at America's universities? I tell you what, I think you know, I think American universities are a net negative right now. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, just plunging poor kids into yeah. debt at a time when the dissemination of knowledge is a tiny fraction in terms of expense of what it used to be virtually all of the knowledge available on Earth can, is at your fingertips as we speak. You know what it reminds now, me Now, there's some role in mentoring, in in probing questions, in testing your knowledge, that sort of thing. But the idea that, that at this moment, 
college would be more expensive than ever, and young people would be plunging plunging themselves into disastrous debt. That's insane. You know what it reminds me of, and what's brought around along the Reformation uh, is right at the time the printing press hit. That's when the the church had to really like clamp down because they realized they were losing their hold. Mm. And I wonder if it's the same thing with universities. Oh crap! You can get this information anywhere now. We've got to really squeeze money out of people or something because this right. is our last gasp. And we've got to make it make it known that it's obligatory. You have a piece of paper from us. Yeah. Anyway. The majors most and least likely to favor socialism. I found somewhat interesting. Probably worth mentioning before we go on, uh, socialism is perhaps humanity's greatest ever example of something that sounds good and is a terrible idea. It is disastrous. It will always be disastrous. It ignores the entirety of human nature. It results in the concentration of power among despots and is a disaster every time. Having said that, Philosophy majors are 78% in favor, very or somewhat favorable of socialism. Number one on the list, not a surprise, in favor of socialism, philosophy majors. They spend all their time thinking about thinking, and then they think up crap. They live in a a, a pretend world of of (laughs) make-believe, Right, sit around and think. Well, one of the, I, I heard this description of, Socialism just doesn't scale well, right? The smaller the group, the more it makes it amongst your family. Oh, yeah. You are very social. Every, okay, we have this piece of, this loaf of bread. We all need to break it up. And that's part of why it works to sell it to people because you think, well, yeah, me and my friends and everybody, we'd do it. We'd all try and share alike. We'd get up in the morning and work as hard as we could. You know, that's funny. That brilliantly anticipates the comment I was going to make about the uh, next highest number, which is quite a bit smaller, uh, but anthropology majors. That's a 53%. I mean, it drops from 78 to 53. Now, anthro majors, I'm picturing you. Of course, a lot of that's tied up in some of the wackadoo grievance study fields, the pseudosciences of today, the, the women's studies and black studies and lesbian studies and the rest of it that have this terrible fake research that was so brilliantly exposed by uh, that trio of scientists we talked to. Maybe you followed the story, but. You know, anthro majors, I'm reminded of Sebastian Younger's brilliant book, Tribe, which everybody ought to read. And, and your primitive tribes, is that, is that like a, uh, saying primitive tribes? That's probably racist. No, I think, uh, it isn't last time I checked. All right. It will be soon. Yeah. So I'll say it for now. Uh, but your primitive tribes often had very socialist, uh, structures. Number one, you're moving around all the time, so you couldn't accumulate wealth because you had to carry it. Except in the societies that, and there were quite a few of them that had slaves, but anyway, it was all share and share likey. And you'll have anthro majors and soft heads like that point that out. But what Sebastian Younger points out in Tribe is that in societies like that, if you failed to contribute fully, you'd be killed. You'd be left to starve to death. Or you would be affirmatively murdered. You'd be executed for failing to bust your ass on everybody else's behalf. And modern socialism has the first half of it, but none of the second half of it. Which I think is one of your key points. Philosophy, anthro, English majors. Oh, they spend all their time reading your Shelley and your Byron and your your, your Chaucer. <laughs> Chaucer. Chaucer. Play Chaucer sucks. Boo. Uh, and then uh, international relations majors. 
7% very favorable on socialism. Uh, 51% somewhat favorable. You do get into what do you mean by socialism. I grant you that. Then you got soch. Finally, you get down to soch majors. Then music majors. Then law and criminology. The more you study the way people actually behave, the less likely you are to like it. Then econ, uh, finance, and and finally accounting. Accounting majors have no patience for socialism. It doesn't add up. We did the math. Listen, I've checked these figures four different times. This is impossible. I don't think that's an accident. The number one critique of socialism is that uh, you run out of other people's money. Accountants get that. Yeah. (laughs) So the number one supporters of socialism is people who lay around dreaming about ideas all day. And the dead freaking last one is the people who actually deal with dollars and cents. Do you think that's a coincidence? If you do come closer, I need to slap you upside your head. Wow. Armstrong and Getty. Get away from here. This is a historic act of devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. You don't see that. Well, isn't that fresh? I am here determined to stop this future atrocity. Either way. you got a fine show, and I'm glad you're doing well. Goes against the very spirit and letter of the law. Hallelujah. Where's the title? 